0: Hello everyone, welcome to the second episode of the Dead 075 podcast for the fall 2021 semester. Uh, today I got to talk with second Lieutenant Giovanni Lombardo. He's a new commissione from May 2021. He's gonna go into the Space Force and we mostly talked about leadership, about remaining humble um, and taking care of your people and knowing that switch uh, and, and all other topics as well. So without further ado, let's get rolling into episode two. Please prepare for takeoff.
1: Live with Debt 075.
0: And we are live with 2nd Lieutenant Lombardo. Welcome. Thanks for coming on.
1: Thanks for having me, man. It's good to be back.
0: For sure. Um, So there's a lot of people here that recognize your voice, obviously, but, you know, there's probably 100s, 250s listening to this right now. Who are
1: you? Like, just give us a little background. Who am I? Who is this guy? Um, well, just a, uh, just a general uh, outline of me. Uh, I joined the program when I was at 150, so that was the uh, sp- year of I think 2018 in the spring. Mm-hmm. and uh, I joined a semester late um, just because I didn't really know about the program and I didn't know I didn't really know about ROTC in general, but yeah, I joined a semester late, 150, and I just commissioned this uh, semester as a I was a 400, so I did it in three and a half years. Um, but aerospace engineering major, which was fun. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so that's me, I guess, in a nutshell.
0: In a nutshell, there's a lot in between that too. Weren't you working at like an airport before that or something?
1: Yeah. So as a as a GMC, I worked at FedEx uh, down at the at the airport, San Diego International Airport, and I was a team leader down there. So I was pretty much in charge of uh, the the loading operations of the aircraft we'd get aircraft in we'd unload them um, we'd sort the freight and then we would load them back with outbound freight and I did that for three-ish years Um, and then once I went to field training and actually before that when I got my when I earned my scholarship um, I was fortunate enough to obviously not have to pay for school anymore and have a little bit of uh, monthly income so I was able to quit my job and that allowed me to focus more on um ROTC and and uh commissioning so
0: right yeah because I remember that job probably got you in shape because you were stacked when you first joined the big bulky (laughs) guy a little different now you're still
1: a little bit leaner
0: yeah exactly you know can run a little faster and, and stuff like that but you know a big reason I brought you on is you're someone that has a unique story I would like we would both agree to that probably in regards to like how you got here kind of your story now um, through adversity and kind of some kind of values. And a lot of people looked up to you in this program. Um, you know, me and you have been buddies for a while, had classes together. Um, I'm taking, you know, another lap around the track, getting my fifth year here, but I'm looking to join you uh, uh, this upcoming May. Um, but really one thing I, I kind of wanted to focus on is the sense of the mold that you broke when you were uh, here at the detachment. And, you know, you can kind of add on to this, but. There seems to be a certain stereotype in our OTC that you have to be this like loud, outgoing. Um, maybe not arrogance—the right word, but just really brash personality to succeed. Um, it's kind of promoted like, okay, you need to always be stepping up, speaking up loud, and kind of just putting yourself out there. And while that's true, that you know, you do you want to say make yourself a good wingman and, and things like that? I think it kind of gets misinterpreted. Would would you agree with that?
1: Yeah, I think, I mean, if we're on this topic, I think sometimes people force it too hard. I mm-hmm. think that there, there's a stigma in this idea of what a good leader or a good cadet or whatever it is, a good student, I think there's this idea of what, like this picture-perfect um, image of that, and I think people try to push that too hard instead of um, – just be themselves and be be natural and I think that's that's kind of what helped me the most is just being natural instead of trying to force this picture perfect image of, of what people think a good cadet or a good student or whatever it is.
0: Yeah because we were in an FTP together in the spring I think Brooks was our instructor <laughs> and I was like this guy I know he's good but you were you were pretty quiet then too but you were still doing great you're still succeeding in the program. Um, I remember like. I think we had a like a drill thing together, like an FDE, and you just killed it. And then you didn't say anything. And then you went back in the flight, and I was like, okay, I can kind of see that sense of humility, where a lot of people would kind of, kind of have that sense of ego with them. Like even going to to field training, we all took that selfie with Master Sergeant Scaramouche together before at the airport. With my uh, bald head, <laughs> dude. Yo, my haircut was so bad. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I missed that haircut.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, but I, even like when we were at field training, I would you know you were obviously succeeded. You got DG, um, and you were in my squadron. and know, you know I would see all the time, and there was a sense of like everyone knew that you were doing good. I think you knew that you were doing well, but you weren't like someone that was out there. Like you were, what what uh, group position did you have?
1: I think it was around TD two or three, you start, uh, or they opened up the group level positions. um, And it wasn't like a, you apply for like commander, deputy PFO, it was just you going for an interview and they picked me for the deputy group commander. So I was, uh, I was up there in front of uh, what 400 cadets uh, getting accountability. Um, He's like report. I was, yeah, I had the the loudest voice out there.
0: For sure. <laughs> yeah. And um, again, you got there not because you were probably the loudest person in your flight, but you kind of just like did your job in a sense.
1: Yeah, that's honestly, man, that's that's literally the theme of me is just do your job and do it when you're supposed to do it. And I, I remember when I first joined as a 150. Um, this was at a PT session. It was it was the old phase zero Wednesday weightlifting PT, which was led by uh, you know, two, two, uh, two guys that are now active duty. But, um, yeah, I remember I was in there and captain it's captain Bruder, who was, who was the uh, cadre in he charge. Was yeah. But, uh, I do remember me just kind of asking, just picking people's brains, like, Hey, like, you know, I'm looking to do pilot. I want to fly. How do I get there? What do I do? And I'll never forget. But he, Captain Bruder looked at me and he's like, just do what you're supposed to do when you're supposed to do it and you'll be fine. I was like, I need to get into clubs. Yeah. I need to do all these programs because I was a brand new 150. I was right. like, there's phase zero, there's Arnold Air, there's HG, there's Raptor. You know what I mean? There's yeah. just... So I was like, I got to do all this stuff. I got to go for a debt job. But he, just, he's like, he looked at me, he's like, just do what you're supposed to do when you're supposed to do it and you'll be fine. And I think that's kind of what <laughs> helped me out in a lot of things.
0: Did you get drill right away or did you get that or was it kind
1: of like drill like the FDES?
0: yeah did you understand it
1: (laughs) FDES were a love hate relationship for me I was so bad at them and then I think just something clicked my FTP year and just I I don't know I mean I I think it was more so me being a little not shy but just timid like I don't know these commands um but once I kind of figured it out it was I mean, it was it kind of became a game at that point. But um, yep. I mean, definitely the first semester uh, was it was a rough one. But I just kind of knew that I'm joining late and I don't know anything. So don't obviously don't act like, you know, something don't don't sit here and try to pretend like, you know, everything. And that was more so my semester to kind of not not take a back seat, but definitely be more. Passive and just sit, learn, absorb, and just take all the information and all the failures and lessons that I can and then start stepping out of my comfort zone, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, definitely. Because you were someone that was like, to all the kind of newer cadets, 250s, 150s listening, like that, you were in that position where you were like, all right, how do I? figure this out, you know, you didn't have any military experience, nothing. <laughs> so you literally just showed I up,
1: didn't know how to salute, uh, didn't know how to stand in attention. It was, it was rough.
0: Dang. Well, that props to you then for just doing it. I think you candidated like, JBB. yeah, I
1: candidated JBB. So TD one was probably the best night of my life.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um,
1: but no, man, I think that's, I mean, and I'm not saying that people should automatically just take a back seat, but I think, um, I think people need to kind of realize, especially when they're doing something new, that it's okay to to just sit there for a second mm-hmm. and get aware with everything, become situationally aware with everything, and then start making your moves. And I I saw this at field training a lot. Like, say there was a, a GOP or a scenario or you know whatever it was. I, I I hear this like test the red all the time. That obviously everybody hears that test the red. Yeah. And I saw a lot of cadets jump the gun way too quick and make a mistake, and and at field training, like, like if we're gonna talk about like getting a good ranking or a DG, if you make one mistake, it's done. Like you can still do well, but if you if you get a bad grade on like a, a scenario, you're done. No DG. If you know, what I mean? unfortunately that's the way it is. So yeah, if if you want to bring it back to that, I saw a lot of cadets who might have jumped the gun too quick because they. They were like, I got to do something. I got to do something. Like, whatever it is, let me just do something. Instead of sitting there, like, becoming aware of your surrounding, becoming aware of the situation, and then, like, moving, if that makes sense.
0: That No, dude, it's so relatable. That's very true. Um,
1: it's always one, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah.
0: I, I did pretty well field training, and I showed up uh, and kind of took warrior knowledge for granted. And I think I got, like, five out of ten on my initial interview. Like, to totally was – like shocked and, you know, took that for granted. And I think that kind of just set me up there for the rest of the way. So yeah, definitely test the red. Um, for those of you that don't know that saying, it's just, you know, don't be afraid to take risks, but take calculated risks. Take things that would make sense and um, have good judgment in regards to like stepping up to, like, you know, do you want to start raising your hand if you don't know the answer to the question? Because a lot of people think that you volunteering Stepping up to volunteer is good, but is it really good if it's not helping out your flight? I think that's something that you need to think about. Like, if you're brand new and you're just raising your hand every five seconds, but you aren't being confident in your answers, you aren't being someone that is helping your your wingmen out and supporting them, then it's going to create more confusion within the ranks and just create the sense of like, okay, what the heck is going on? And that is not taking care of your people at all. Um, and then let's you kind of reminded me a little bit about. Humility, in a sense, and that kind of how you were describing, you know, you were pretty humble when you first joined the program. And that's something that I kind of wish I had. Uh, I was a 100 that had previous experience in like still air patrol. People don't know what that is. It's basically like Boy Scouts for the Air Force. And it was pretty fun. I did it for like a year or two in high school. Um, So I came in thinking that I knew everything. And I had this ego uh, when I was first in the program, what, four years ago now. And it was like, no, I already know how to drill. I already kind of know it. And it was just so easy initially. And, you know, you might get you good ranking initially within people. Um, And this is true for, you know, whether you're a POC, GMC, what have you. um, You performing like that and showing that face will be good initially, but then people really aren't just gonna respect you. They're gonna see you as someone that's fake, that doesn't really care. and i think you you've had positions in the wing i think you were og you were ftp um and you were an ftp instructor and you ended up being in charge of all ftp you're in charge of a ftr program for people <laughs> who don't remember that that was for the people that got deferred due to covid um do you want to speak a little bit more about like what humility means to you in regards to like probably an rotc more of a sense because most of the people here are you know, the cadets and kind of developing that towards the experience but why is it important maybe for when you first joined the program, you already talked about that a little bit, but maybe people just coming back from field training to make right. sense.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I don't know. I feel like humility is something that's important to me because I know what it's like to have things taken away from you, and I know what it's like to um, to be doing great one day and then all of a sudden you're not doing great. And mm-hmm. I think that translates to everything in life, where you know us uh, us as people, as as humans, as cadets, like. We, on the grand scale of things, like we are pretty small yeah. and insignificant. Not to say that your job isn't important, but I just feel like a lot of people have this, uh, this kind of sense of, of entitlement with, with things. Um, and, and I think obviously as, as, a, as a leader, being humble is, is a must. Um, and I also think that having those moments where you're confident is a must too, and i think it's it's kind of a That's like a a, it's kind of like a dichotomy you have to be able to balance your humility um and be able to accept the fact that you might not know everything and accept the fact that um you know things can be taken away from you at a moment's notice but also be confident and not show that if that makes sense
0: sure we'll, we'll get to that point in the, a little later on cause in regards to like things taken away from you, because I know you have like some experience dealing with adversity and succeeding through that. But going back to humility, really quick, um, that's really fair. Um, how you said all that, and you know, even as a 300, when I when I first came back from field training, I, you do have that sense of like everything's so brand new. It felt like I was in a different program, and like wow, I was grinding it out in FTP for this entire year, and now I have this sense of freedom it's like I can go in the foxhole and I don't have to greet anymore, I, um, you know, don't have to like feel like I'm uptight all the time. I have to like study this warrior handbook all the time. I don't have. It's just more freedom, but with that freedom, it requires more discipline within mm-hmm. yourself to grind it yourself. Because it's very easy to ghost in ROTC yeah. if you want to ghost, and a lot of people are like all right. I finished field training, I'm just gonna do nothing for the next two years and commission. Okay, but how is that gonna make you a better leader? How are you just gonna like show up to your base, hadn't had really any leadership experience, and you just show up, and you know, your people are like, okay, who is this person? Who is this officer that is representing the United States Air Force or Space Force? Because I know you're going in the Space Force. (laughs) Um, And I think people need to realize that the goal of ROTC is to make you a leader to make you a leader and a second lieutenant in the United States Air Force. And in college, it almost feels like we're in this little protected bubble that, you know, ROTC is fun, some people treat it like a club, and it's not really, you can't really have that mindset that it's a club. It's setting you up for something bigger in the future, and once you hit that, you don't want it to hit, um, how do I rephrase, once you get there, you don't want it to hit you like a truck. You want to be able to feel like you've been preparing for this for a while, and that you've taken little incremental leadership positions, like, all right, you're 300 who you know you're in charge of like maybe your maintenance flight taking care of the foxhole next semester maybe you're an imt instructor and then you're an imt squadron commander after that and then okay 400 year shoot you're on wing staff now what the heck wasn't i an fdp like two years ago and before you know it by the time that you transition and go into active duty you feel like you've been incrementally preparing your way to that um and I know, like you, you went what wing staff, back to, FTP, and then you would, FTR, like you you were everywhere.
1: Yeah, I had a job every single semester. <laughs> I went so right out of field training. I went just uh just to FTP. I was an FTP instructor. Um, from there, I upgraded to the uh, the position of operations group commander. So that's that's wing staff, and then. Um, last two semesters of senior year was FTR squadron commander and then senior instructor. Um, but just real quick, speaking back, going back to the humility topic um, and how you said you come back from field training and, and you think that you, you've earned everything or you can go into the foxhole with, with, without greetings or, or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. I think one thing that helps with humility is doing things that will humble you. So doing challenging things And I'm not saying you should do something that you know you're gonna outright fail and it's gonna be a disaster. But I'm saying, you you mentioned like ghosting. You can't get humbled if you're ghosting. Like there's no humility in ghosting. And I think humility comes from doing things that challenge you and and push you. And and, you know, like taking the jobs. You have the option to not do a job in the debt or to not do that, not apply for wing staff. And you have the option to apply for it. And I think doing those things that challenge you, um, you know, doing the extra jobs, uh, the the schooling, whatever it is, like I think doing hard things helps humble you and helps with humility.
0: And doing those hard things checks what your it's ego. Like your ego, right? And like not to be too cliche about it, but um, a lot of you already know who Jocko is. Uh, he is an ex Navy SEAL. Um, He has a really big foundation on being humble. I'm going to read a quote from his book really quick. If you don't have it, it's extreme ownership. Uh, It was a good point, and better to phrase it in his words, because I think it goes really well. It's, everyone has an ego. Ego drives the most successful people in life, in the SEAL teams, in the military, in the business world. They want to win, to be the best. That is good. But when ego clouds our judgment and prevents us from seeing the world as it is, then ego becomes destructive. When personal agendas become more important than the team and the overarching mission success, performance suffers and failure ensues. Many of the disruptive issues that arise within any team can be attributed directly to a problem with ego. So essentially just understand that ego is what is gonna be clouding you from making the best decisions possible, from being that best cadet that can serve others. Um, not not to like target too many people in the debt, but like I know there every every year there's a problem with like, oh I don't have the right ranks on this rank or on that rank, and I want to be this cadet rank in the program, and you know uh, Lieutenant Lombardo, you can definitely attribute to this. Like at the end of the day, yeah, make sure you have the right ranks for your job, but it doesn't that shouldn't really be what matters in your head.
1: Dude, I was OG as or with my. Uh, their cadet first lieutenant ranks, like my FTP instructor ranks, like I I didn't care. I was just like, they're pieces of plastic that go on your collar.
0: Yeah. I will, I will show up to lead lab wearing fourth class ranks, like 100 ranks. I don't even like, no.
1: At the end of the day, you're a cadet and your job is to uh, become the best leader. It's not to walk around with fancy ranks and and, and pull this <laughs> rank card I mean, and that's not to say that that rank isn't important and a chain of command isn't important because it is. That's not to say that, but it's just to say that um, cadet ranks are insignificant on the grand scale of things because your job is, like I said, to become a better leader and, and to take care of the other cadets that are under you regardless of rank.
0: Yeah, all of us are college students. We're literally all cadets. Until you become an officer, then you're an officer. But besides that, it's either you're a cadet or you're, you're someone that has commissioned already. Like, you know, Cadet uh, Kinghorn, he's in charge of public affairs flight. I think this is, like, his second, semest- second year in the program. Like, I've been in three years longer than him, and I was on wing staff when he was a 250. But you know what? He's my boss now. All right, you want me to do this? Roger, check. Let's get the mission done. I'm not going to be like, okay, well, I've been in here for, you know, three more years. I have all this experience. Like, no, like, this guy is here to help contribute to the mission. You know, you have all these ideas, and you want to help contribute to that and make this a better detachment? Cool, let's do it. The moment you start thinking like, you know, you have this privilege or this some sort of like, I've been here for a while, and that you have this sense of entitlement, that's hurting, you know? what? Why have that over someone? Even POC to GMC, you know, don't look down on them, don't demean them. Um, A lot of these GMC, you know, are prior active duty. You, How old were you when you joined the dead?
1: 21, I think.
0: Yeah, so you, you were marching around with like 18 year olds, and you could you could have been like, man, what the heck? I'm like 21, and these are 18 year olds, like kids, you know, like, but you were like, okay, cool, let's do it. Yeah. You were probably older than, or maybe the same age as your trucker. my flight
1: commanders. Yeah, I was older than most of my flight commanders.
0: But you understood that they have some sort of experience that you didn't, and they could teach you on that, and maybe you could teach them something too. Like, you know, you had. St- an entire like life before you joined ROTC um, and that helped you kind of get there and succeed and learn from it.
1: Yeah. I think like just speaking off the ego thing, um, I know like having a big ego, um, like boasting a big ego is like a, a confidence thing. It's like, I'm confident. Look at my big ego kind of thing. But I think uh, real confidence shows when you can kind of drop your ego because you're able to just be like, I'm, like this is me. Like, I'm cool with just kind of sitting here and and taking and not saying again, not taking a back seat. But if you can drop your ego and realize that, you know, that deep down inside, like you're a confident person, I think that's where, like, that's where the real confidence shows. Exactly. Yeah. Ego is a, a
0: symptom of insecurity. Yeah.
1: And it's like a defense mechanism. Almost. Yeah.
0: And I know it, it. You might be thinking like, easy for y'all to say, like, you know, you're. Upper classmen, you're like, you're a lieutenant, and it's easy for us to have that. And I understand, like, you're brand new to the program. It's very easy to have anxiety and to be nervous. You don't know what's going on. You know, you don't know how to do a calm movement. You don't know how to, you know, do I greet here? Do I do this? Do I do that? And that can lead to a rise of insecurity. Or you're a brand-new 300. Shoot, I was on Zoom for the past year and a half. I cut off in person as a one middle of my 100 year, and now I'm back leading a flight, like... How Am I doing it right? Do they like me? And that can lead to insecurity, and that can lead to you having this front of an ego, and that's going to hurt you. Um, and I think we should maybe talk about how to have that confidence. That could be a good section to go to in regards to how to do cadets in the program, build that confidence, because it is something that you can work on constantly. Like, I'm still working on different levels of confidence. You're still working on different levels of confidence. It's definitely something that you can grow and develop. But what are some ways you think people can do that?
1: I'm going to say some controversial. Okay, let's hear it. I think failure helps build confidence, and I say that because y- you'll fail at something, and nine times out of ten, most people are going to try it again, right, until they succeed. That's just kind of like keep going, keep getting after, especially in the ROTC program. like That's what you're taught, like fail, do it again until you succeed. Right. And when you succeed after you fail, I think that, is, that helps your confidence more than succeeding off the first try, if that makes sense. And I, I get it. Not everybody fails the first try. Some people are just good at what, just good at everything they they touch. They, everything turns to gold. But I think that goes back to doing hard things, stepping outside your comfort zone, and realizing that it's okay to fail a few times, mm-hmm. and then go back to the drawing board. What I, like you you mentioned, like a, a column movement or an FTE. You fail an FTE, you're like, God oh, dang, that 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 sucks. And you, your ego's kind of hurt, right? But that's why we just talked about dropping your ego. Um, but you go back out there and you might do better or you might do really good on FTE and it's like, okay, I just went from failing this to doing good. And I think that in itself is a huge confidence booster. And, I, and it's not even just FTEs, it could be with anything. So I, I think doing hard things and obviously stepping outside your comfort zone and taking those failures and then going back and succeeding at what you failed in, even if it's two, three, four times after I think that those failures and then the success after the failure like, really helps your confidence.
0: Would you mind giving an example?
1: Of uh, my failures?
0: Or sure, anything I um, can learn from? Yeah, I
1: don't know. some big ones. Um, Holy smokes. What are you feel I comfortable mean, with? Yeah. I failed my AFO QT the first time.
0: Really? Yeah.
1: Okay. Uh, failed the AFO QT. I uh, didn't get accepted into SDSU the first time I applied for transfer. I think it might have just been Class is not transferring or or i didn't have enough prereqs done um i have a private pilot's license and i failed my check right the first time i took it um and then you know just the little failures around the debt like you you get yelled at for doing a column left when you should have done a column Mm -hmm. right or you you know you, you did an fde wrong or you stepped up for a gop and and it failed miserably just like little things like that
0: yeah and what was the end goal that would like motivate you just to keep going
1: the feeling of failure sucks and the yeah. feeling of success is much better than failure. So
0: are you one of those people that has a fear of being average? Or like, yes. Yeah. Okay.
1: 100%. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, the, the feeling of dang, this does, this doesn't feel good when I failed mm-hmm. is kind of the motivating factor. Um, And then, like I said, you, you get back out there and whatever it is that you failed at, you complete the next time around and you start feeling better, but you start feeling more confident.
0: Yeah. That's fair. I mean, shoot, my, my one hundred year, and this isn't maybe like a, a failure, more just like something that checked me pretty hard, was I uh the the seven hundreds listening to this probably remember. Um, but one hundred year, I think it was either in the spring or the fall, I fell asleep in AS class. Like I I remember that. <laughs> yeah, it was not a fun time. Um, so I think Mass Sergeant Scaramouche like, woke me up. She's like, Lopez. I was like, what? I was like, uh-oh. And she, she I mean, we all love Mass Sergeant. She's scary. If, yeah. If you're listening to this, you're the best. Um, anyway, so she's like, Lopez, get up. I stood at attention one, you know, 30 pounds ago, 100 years, like a little skinny guy. And I was so scared. I was like, yes, ma'am. And she made me stand up and take notes for the rest of the entire hour in front of everyone in the class. And but when she came up to me after it wasn't like to demean or discipline. It was more of like a hey, this is why that was bad. This is why you need to, you know, that's not respectful and stuff like that and you know, it showed you like how true leaders just un get it in regards to like you have to have that switch and sorry if we're just getting off on a tangent here, but like knowing that switch of when to lock it on, when to lock it off, when to be that mentor for someone, right? Like even if you're an FTP instructor, yeah. You're yelling, you're doing your thing, you're enforcing the standards. Standards are really important in this program and we are trying to, to bring it back in regards to like the standards we wanna set as a detachment. But understand that your goal is to take care of the people that you're in charge of and to look out for that. Would you generally agree to
1: yeah, yeah, well, just on on the switch, dude, the switch is so good. I, I remember, I mean, some of the cadets that might have been, like, in my flight um, might remember me always preaching the switch, but the switch is, is, is the golden ticket to, I feel like, happiness and success in the program because a lot of people will be on the far side of the spectrum where they're either – joking around too much and not taking things serious, or they might be taking things too serious and not joking around and having yeah. fun. So like you said, knowing when when it's time to uh, to work and to be serious, and then knowing when you can relax and have fun, because if you're not enjoying this, um, there might be something wrong. Cause yeah, is hard, it's challenging. Um, it, it's a strenuous four, three to five years, um, but it's fun and you should enjoy it. So yeah, the switch is good. I'm glad you brought that up because I feel like a lot of people um, don't have the switch. So you got to know when it's okay to have fun and laugh and have fun with your friends. And you got to know when it's time to work.
0: Yeah, don't be that person at field training in your flight that is like locked in all the time. Like there's no one around and they're like, not even laughing at jokes or anything like- Exactly. You're, you're gonna, go, gonna go to field training once so make it a good time out of it. But yeah, going going back to ROTC in general, you're only really in training like five hours a week, like three, four hours of lead lab. If you're a POC, three hours of AS class. So let's say max six hours a week where you're locking it on. And, you know, I've been buddies with you for a while. Like we're friends with uh, Garrett, Colonel Thompson, the wing commander. Um, And, you know, we hang out. We, you know, we had classes together. We'd we'd be grinding and that. But when it comes time to go to lead lab, like we all had your jobs and you just do it. You, you lock it on, you flip that switch. It's not that time to be smoking and joking with your friends. It's like, no, like we're locking it on right now. It's not that much time. Like, even if you're an FTP cadet, just understand, like, hey, you know, you're going to sub, so 5 a.m. Okay, cool. Is it like the best time to wake up and do that? Maybe, but, you know, do it. You just got to grind it out, flip that switch, lock on, and get it done. That doesn't mean that you're not having fun after. That doesn't mean that. You know you're not enjoying the time with the people, not enjoying the program. But you have to understand that when it's time to get to work, it's time to get to work. Would you agree with
1: that? That's it. That is literally, it, and that will help you um, so much with just stress management and, um, and just everything. Knowing when to have fun, and even when you're in the program, when you're when you're in mandatory um, training time or lead lab. Like there are moments in that, that you can joke and have fun and laugh, but you got to be able to flip it real quick. And I, I think that's just what a lot of people miss. And, um, yeah, like field training, same thing, you know, that like, you can have fun at field training and yeah. it's definitely a different kind of fun. It's definitely not something that you wake up and text your friends, Hey, let's go back to field training. But, there are moments where you can laugh and have fun and enjoy this. So, I just, it's a pet peeve of mine when people come back and are like, field training was so bad. Yeah, it was bad. It's bad for everybody, but you you find those moments where you can have fun and laugh. And then, when it's, like you said, when it's time to work, switch goes on and it's head down and you, you work. So. Yeah.
0: I mean, I don't know. You seem to have a lot of fun at field training. You went back twice.
1: <laughs> I loved it so much. I went back twice.
0: Yeah. Uh, for everyone that doesn't know, uh, Lieutenant Lombardo was a CTA at uh maxwell for summer 2020
1: yeah okay so last summer
0: okay yeah he was there last summer uh for the 100s that don't know what a cta is it stands for a cadet training assistant and essentially they're cadets in the program probably in their 300 going into their 400 year um and they already went to field training usually like he did pretty well in the program um but did you Were you one of the people that got called like a month before or did you know in advance?
1: No, I was one that, that applied whenever, I think it was back in January. It was pretty early, so I applied because that's something that I, I wanted to do. Um, and I wanted to do it for the right reasons. And I say the right reasons mm. because I feel like a lot of people want to do it to yell and to, to uh, feel bigger yelling at um, lower classmen or GMC. But I did it because... Um, I enjoyed field training and the impact it had and I wanted to contribute back how I felt like I was obligated to give back contribute back and provide my two cents on on stuff and yeah so I enjoyed it and I was one that wanted to soon as I I mean soon (laughs) as soon as I graduated field training when I was at GMC I was already thinking what can I do to come back as a CTA and and continue to make my mark and help out
0: Yeah, that goes back to ego, right? People just wanting to scream to scream, yelling at cadets. Like, what good does that actually do? I mean, people that don't know, that you definitely have that side of you. You can definitely, you know, yell at cadets when you need to, enforce standards, Um, but is it really necessary? You need to choose your moments because if you're doing it all the time, like, if you're listening to someone yell at you all the time, you're just going to phase them out. It's just going to be, like, you blocked out kind of, right?
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, no, you're right. Like, I definitely have had those moments where you have to raise your voice a little bit. Um, but through my time as FTP instructor, senior instructor, CTA, I found it better when you can pull somebody aside and correct them that way with a just a stern kind of voice. I feel like yelling at people in front of other people only puts up. Defense mechanisms and walls, and when somebody puts up their wall, nothing gets through, and it just becomes—you you almost make the situation worse. So, I found it helpful to um, to yeah have a conversation with somebody, and yeah, you might need to have a loud conversation with somebody, but no, it's everybody's everybody's human, everybody's a person. You're yep. a person, it, and people don't react to that at least in a good way, right? So yeah. I, the yelling thing was never really something that I went out for. And, and I had, it was funny when I came back from, from CTA duty. um, It's funny just calling it CTA duty, but that's, Uh, that's what it was called. Um, And and we had other, this was, this would have been last semester um, or my last semester as a cadet, but other cadets that were thinking about applying for CTA from the detachment um, would reach out to me and and I remember, I won't say any names, but I remember um, somebody was like, how do I yell or how do I, um, like, prep myself to yell? And I was like, God, you can't, you can't go in with that mindset. Like, you just can't go in with the mindset that you're going to yell to yell. Like, if you have to yell, okay. It, but in 99% of, like, circum or cases or s- scenarios situations, you don't need to yell and people don't respond to that well, so... How's
0: that saying work? It's praised in public, criticized in private, I believe, or it's some version of that. Yeah,
1: I think so. I always like the saying: the the uh, less you talk, the more people listen. Ooh. But yeah, that's kind of the same. That's kind of the same thing. Yeah,
0: it's like the silent professional. Exactly, aspect. exactly. Um, and and that kind of ties into as leaders. Your job is to be kind of like a people manager, right? To be someone who is good at communicating. Um, and that's something I think we should focus on a little more in ROTC and maybe train, is there's we're, we train people to you know know how to drill very well. You know how to say your, your basic five-point ROTC speech, you know, your intro, good morning, here's what I'm gonna be talking about, I'm talking about it, and then here's what I just talked about. Um, and that's great, because that is exactly what we teach, um, but there's a lot of soft skills that come with it too. Um, we don't want robots in the military. We don't want ROTC, Air Force, Space Force robots that are coming in and like, okay, in the you know, AFMAN 36-2903, it says this, 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 and this. Like, okay, yeah, you were right. It does say that. Um, but what are you going to do when, you know, let's say you're an IMT commander right now? When your cadets comes up to you crying, hey, I'm failing one of my classes. Like, what do I do? You know, there's no guide for that. There's no. Manual for that, or if you're on active duty and something similar to that happens, um, and and you being someone that I think would you classify yourself as an introvert?
1: <laughs> yeah, definitely.
0: Yeah, like how did you, like, what are some skills that you do to have that interpersonal relationship with with uh, the people that you lead?
1: Eh, I mean, certainly getting getting to know like like people um, helps. I mean. And and I say introvert, and it's not that like I am I'm super shy. Mm. I'm just very reserved. I mean, that's the best way to put it. I'm just reserved. But um, yeah, I mean, and as, as a leader, you kind of you kind of have to talk. <laughs> you can't just sit there and hide in the back. Um, so I think getting to know people, um, like just just their just at the at the basic level is is a good start for people that are more so reserved and, and introverted um because once you start to get to know people it's easier to kind of understand them as as people and what they're good at and like their strengths their weaknesses and, and things of that sort so um but yeah just a simple conversation goes a long way it really does so
0: yeah like hey how are you uh, how's your classes going um oh you're having like a study session in the library with the flight. Let's do that, get to know each other a little more mm. in that sense. And so, yeah, knowing your people is important. I think one thing that I kind of thought about was getting yourself more involved outside and in, like other things. Because um, that's something, you know, outside of ROTC, what are you doing? Are you, you know, you go to church, you have a club in campus you go to, you have another job. Like people have lives outside of this program too. And, you know, if you put yourself out there, that's going to help you communicate within the program as well. You know, we want well-rounded people who are also cadets. You know, do you want your entire college to be ROTC, 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 ROTC? That's good, but you can actually benefit probably from, you know, getting involved in other areas of your life and bringing that into ROTC. You know, hey, like, I know in the past we've done a lot of collaborations with clubs on campus um, and bringing it back here and, um, you know, I know you were in Phase Zero. I don't know if they did anything like that, but like, like y'all would like work out with mm-hmm. like active duty personnel, right? Or
1: yeah, we would always. I mean, not always, but occasionally we would bring um, like people who had already been through selection, um, were about to go, people that had commissioned, people that were already through the pipeline. Um, so yeah, we we brought a few people back.
0: Yeah, networking.
1: Networking is key. <laughs> That's it. No, but yeah, like like you were saying, it. I, I think leadership is is. It's not one-dimensional it's it's very two-dimensional i think your life should be the same way i mean um obviously and i i do struggle with this and i did struggle at at the work 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 like you're always working no play don't go have fun just grind um and finally i kind of realized that that work life balance is very crucial and i think it helps you become a better leader because you can like you were saying, get to know people outside of work. Um, you can get those life experiences. And I think leadership, as, as it's two-dimensional, I think your life should be two-dimensional too. You should have that, you should find that work-life balance.
0: Yeah, good point. Um, having that balance of, you know, make sure you're getting your stuff done, you know. Don't just be like, oh, well, I gotta, you know, balance it out. No, you got get your work done, get your academics done. You know, priority number one, we always say student first. Um, get your ROTC work done. Get whatever else stuff you need to get done. And you know what? If you're a busy ROTC cadet, like a lot, I know a lot of people are. Yeah, maybe your free time isn't, you know, in like half a. Maybe it's a couple hours a week. You know, maybe you only have a couple hours, but you have them. Use them. You know, do something. Like I watch football. I know like uh, Cadet Thompson. He's a huge Dolphins fan. You know, <laughs> like he's probably rooting for him today. Um I'm, I'm a big Charger fan, I like for football. What what is what's your fun? What do you like to do?
1: <laughs> working out. <laughs> no. Um no, I mean yeah, working out obviously, but uh I, I don't know. I just I like flying when I can fly. That's something that, that uh brings me peace. Um big in a reading, um, but I mean just hanging out with friends, like and it doesn't you don't need to grow out go out with a huge group if you're into that, um more power to you, but just quality time with with quality people. Um whatever it is. I, obviously, I'm, I'm getting ready to, to leave this beautiful city of San Diego, but I'm just trying to go experience life more. Um, and that could be anything, like doing things, going to places that I've never been here. Yeah. So I just, I don't know. I, I don't I don't have a bunch of things that I do, um, but I do a few things a lot, if that makes sense. Yes, yeah,
0: so you, you have your hobbies. And I have my hobbies.
1: Them. I embrace them, wakeboarding, snowboarding, yeah. Um, but yeah,
0: for sure. Yeah. You're, you always, uh, cause we, w- you work together. People don't know. And, you know, bef- we would start at like seven thirty in the morning and five a.m. I'm, I'm getting a text from Jovi of him, you know, squatting three plates, just <laughs> getting after it, um, and that, that, that motivates others too. You know, if you as a leader are stepping up and doing something, that's going to be automatically motivational. You don't have to, you know, say anything. You just do it.
1: Lead by example. <laughs> <laughs> No, that's literally what it is. I mean, people uh, people respond better to seeing you do something than than you telling them what to do, if that makes sense. So.
0: Yeah, and you kind of going back earlier, you you kind of brought up the pilot thing, and you know, someone that has dealt with the adversity through that, because um, I, I know a lot of people were like, they they thought. Uh, that Lieutenant Lombardo was probably going the pilot route and mm. you still have your license, right? Yep. you're still flying a decent amount. I try to, yeah. Yeah,
1: exactly. When my bank account will allow me. <laughs>
0: yeah, it's definitely a good chunk of money, but it, you just kind of want to talk about real quick about you know your path now, maybe a brief summary of how you got there and how you're still getting after it. With like Kind of like a change, of course.
1: Yeah, um, so obviously when I joined the program, it was pilot. I didn't want to do anything else. No disrespect to any other jobs in the military. I just wanted to fly for the military. Um, so that was what uh, <laughs> the majority of my time in ROTC consisted of was getting there. Um, and I got there. I, I got my pilot slot, which was which was cool. Um, and then I found that I, I got picked up for NJUP as well. Um, and then I found out uh, at good old Wright-Patterson Air Force Base that I have a— the, a weird condition in my eye, which will prevent me from flying in the military. Um, They told me I could fly civilian. But um, so, yeah, it was kind of like it was kind of a a slap in the face. Mm -hmm. But just kind of what you were asking about my process through it all. It it actually happened right after I got back from CTA duty. So this was September of 2020 that I found out that I could potentially not be flying in the military Um, and we fought a waiver. I mean, cadre was great. Like, they pushed it up as high as they could. It actually went up to a three-star level, but they pushed it up all the way, um, and it got denied. But, but we fought it for, jeez, oh, I think I found out in January, February. So this was six, close to six months of me not knowing if I was going to fly or not. And and I just want to touch on this this point of kind of my thought process was, I didn't obviously I didn't know if I was going to fly, and I. I didn't like that. I did not like knowing what I was gonna do. The unknown. Yeah. yeah, not a fan of it, especially when you've put in so much time. So, you know, I was thinking about my options here, and I kind of always was interested in in Stowe and and the special warfare route. So, in September, when I got this uh, unfortunate news, like I kind of really had two options, and and my options were, I could sit here for. Two, three four at the time we didn't know um, months six months which is what it was I could sit here for six months and kind of hang my head and be like well this sucks I hope I hope I get a waiver um, or I can do what I did which was what's next like what do we do you kind of have two options you can you can sit there and and say well this sucks and feel bad about yourself or you can say well what can I do about it and and I trained um, two times a day Wow. Seven days a week, pretty much, um, for, for Special Warfare. Um, and then I, I, I actually did get selected for Phase 2, which was cool. Uh, I got picked up. Um, and uh, it was at the time that I f- actually, literally, I think the same day I found out I got selected for Phase 2, I got officially disqualified from pilot. So it was an, an emotional day. But, um, no, yeah, just to go back to your question, I, and this is with everything in life. Mm-hmm. Like, you have two options when you're dealt with, with, a, with a bad hand. And you could sit there and say, ah, oh, this hand sucks. Like, I am i feel sorry for myself. You can hang your head. Or you can say, well, what can I do with this hand? And I think that's something that just help, helped me with everything um, was, okay, this sucks, but what can I do to be productive while I wait for this waiver? And I, I trained and ended up getting picked up for phase two, which I, I never went to. That's another story. But, um, yeah, so... It was definitely a very trying uh, six months emotionally, but um, yeah, you have two options in life when you're dealt with a bad hand, and that's uh, feel bad about the hand or use the hand uh, and see what you can do with it.
0: Yeah, that's, yeah, thank you for sharing that. And you know, it it shows like all the cadets listening to this, you know, this this is someone who, you know, did great at field training, you know, had like a 90 pixel something like that.
1: It's like 95, I think.
0: Yeah, 95 pixel, which is insanely very, very good. Um, Did everything that you can do to put yourself in that position. And sometimes life just screws with you, you know? And you just have to understand that life happens sometimes. Like I haven't even gone to IFC yet, you know, because of COVID a lot of uh, us pilot selects are waiting on that. So, you know, knock on wood, everything works out. But, you know, you can't just let um, those situations cloud your head all the time and affect your daily life of you're always thinking about it, you know. You just have to understand, okay, this is what it is. It sucks. Like, man, I you were probably in, in, the, in those moments. There's probably some sad days, you know. I can definitely understand that.
1: Very sad days. I lost a lot of sleep. Um, but, yeah, like you said, you 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 de- you. you absolutely dedicate your life to something and then it, uh, gets taken away from you. So kind of tying this back into humility, like it teaches you to be humble. Mm -hmm. It really does. Because I was like, I'm doing, I'm doing okay. Like I got a decent pixum. I got picked up for NJEP. Like I'm I'm doing okay. And then, uh, you, you know, things come up, life happens. But like I said, I mean, the moral of the story here is obviously humility and, uh, there's always two options in life and that's to sit there and, and uh, feel bad about it or to uh, do something about it. That's a great outlook and that can,
0: you know, be relatable to anything that goes on in your life. In and, and the wing in general, like, oh shoot, I just failed. All right, you know, and ra- my ranking's gonna be bad or my FTP instructor just told me that I'm like bottom third on my flight and I might not get a slot to go to field training. What am I about to do about it, you know? Yeah, can you talk to your friends and you know, everyone needs someone to vent to and that's good. Like, you know, we're a huge advocate here for mental health and getting those resources, but how are you gonna take initiative and make the best out of the situation that you are in? Um, that's a really good point. And just like shrugging through adversity and being grateful for um, everything that you have. And I think, you know, what's you're going on to something great now you're going hmm. to Peterson?
1: Uh, Buckley. Buckley. Buckley Air Force Base, okay. Colorado. Yeah, what are so do you be doing there? I'll be a uh, developmental engineer for astronautics uh, in the Space Force. Yeah, but it, it just it is funny how all that happened because uh, I went from being um, told I was going to be, I potentially could be disqualified in Ohio, and I remember just kind of tying it back in like, like that day that that day i went to the track and started working out it wow. Was like time to train for something else yeah. but and it didn't work out and you know i got picked up but i never went and then yeah i was i was fortunate enough to get um accepted for a cross commission into the space force um which was cool you know yeah. and, and it was definitely like a cool thing because after the Stowe thing kind of didn't work out for me um i was like okay let's do engineering um obviously that's what i majored in that's what i'm kind of so excited about long <laughs> yeah. nights
0: in the library for
1: long sure. days and nights in the library but yeah i was like okay what's next um again that's the theme here what's next um but yeah when aerospace, or uh astronautical engineer is what the the official term is um and then yeah i was told geez maybe three weeks before i commissioned that i was one of the few that got picked up for space force um Cross commission. So
0: So basically you're gonna be doing some cool stuff.
1: It's basically rocket science.
0: <laughs> that's that's really cool. I remember when you commissioned you had a like a little rocket on your service dress or something.
1: The Space Force Deltas, yeah. Exactly. That was it it looks pretty cool. Yeah.
0: And if you're a cadet that's interested in the Space Force, I would, you know, uh, I would definitely reach out you know, Kilombardo is probably on Instagram or whatever, reach out to Cadre. It's something that's very new and exciting um it's not gonna be taken seriously because it's only gonna expand and get bigger limitless possibilities yeah
1: very very new um very very competitive but i think it's i think it's the future i really do it's cliche as that sounds there's gonna be a lot of cool things that that uh and i already know what squadron i'm a part of oh. um and uh they do some cool stuff <laughs> i'll just say that so it, it um yeah I'm, I'm i'm excited for it and um, anybody that's in the space and, and rockets um, definitely look that way. So
0: Nice, for sure. Um, and then just kind of reflecting real quick back on your time in ROTC, um, what is something that you think you developed well in that you saw growth in? Because you, you are going to grow. Uh, people that are in this program, like I almost don't recognize myself for my 100th year, and it, that's not a bad thing or a good thing, it's just – you know, this program is designed to help you grow and become that, that leader and that person. Um, what's something that ROTC like, helped you grow through? And maybe if you're talking about leadership, maybe more specifics. What mm-hmm. um, kind of helped you along the way?
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, leadership, 100%. I think if, if you don't grow as a leader in your time in ROTC, um, something might have went wrong. But, yeah, leadership, of course. But I think the biggest thing is uh, dealing with adversity the biggest thing that I, I um, kind of grew in was how to deal and manage iver- uh, adversity. And, and it's not even just speaking about, like, the disqualification of the pilot or, um, you know, withdrawing my name from phase two selection. I mean, just like your everyday homework, yeah. you know, for the for the STEM majors out there, maybe not even STEM, just, you know, the, the college grind and the adversity that you have to deal with, especially being an ROTC cadet. And you have a midterm um, the next morning, but you also have lead lab and you have supplemental and you have other homework. And I, I think just dealing with the everyday like adversities, just adversity of life, um, I think definitely helps you. In, and I feel like that's going to only help you out on active duty because from what I've heard, um, as a leader, you're going to you're going to deal with some adversity. So I think being able to manage it now at at a small level is going to help you out at at a bigger level.
0: Yeah, like as ROTC cadets, we are college students and we do this. Yeah. And it's, you know, the academy, the academy is great, but we have a little ROTC bias, but, you know, a lot of us are you got to pay your own rent. You got to find a place to live. You got to buy your own groceries. You got to work. You got ROTC, you got school. Maybe you have a club on campus you're into, and then you have all this homework. Um, so it definitely adds up, and it is a grind, definitely. I mean, I, shoot, I still got, what, commissioning's in eight months or something like that? Like, I still got a grind, you know, to, you know try to get to where you are as well, too. Um, but just acknowledging that embracing the grind and that this is only in the long term of things. Well, let's say you're in a 20-year career. This is only, like, four years, and then you start. You know, what I like to think of is we're grinding to the start line the start of everything ROTC is getting you prepared for the beginning of your, honestly your life of starting that cuz once you become a cycle lieutenant it's a whole new thing like ROTC gives you your tools in the toolbox for what you should have but you still are going to have those growing pains like you know you're you're uh, you got you know you were DG you did all these great things but when you show up they don't, they're not going to know you like, you're just another brand new, fresh out of there.
1: So it starts all over again, which which is a good thing. Uh, mm. Again, humbles you up. Um, and that's not to say that you shouldn't celebrate your achievements. Um, definitely celebrate your achievements. But also realize that there's really – and I this might be a little too uh, uh, passive-aggressive, but there's no finish line in my mindset. Mm. Like, you're always looking for the next thing. And that's kind of what helped me through ROTC. And and succeed and get, you know, the, the, the achievements, the distinguished graduate NJEP, um, space force cross commission. It's like my mindset is there's no finish line. It's, it's always what's next. Um, but again, don't, don't neglect, uh, the celebration of your achievements. Um, but definitely always be looking for what's next and how you can improve and, and, uh, continue to get better and grow as a person.
0: Yeah. I can tell you truly like believe that too. And that's like
1: your mindset to my Um, core brother. i believe that to my core And I
0: and i and i definitely um aspire at the things that you do and that's that's awesome that you have that and that's what humbles you i think is hey i did this okay but i didn't do this i didn't get this you know even you're lifting that probably humbles you too when you're doing that neck you know i didn't get this or i didn't lift this weight or whatever um so if you're in this program through rotc your biggest how does it comparison is the thief of of joy right so don't compare yourself to others don't be like oh like i'd be like this kid like no be the best version of yourself that you can be like all right i just got this you know stereotypical that gets like a 90 on their pfa and they look at some other cadet in their flight just maxing it like dang how do i get there you can't do that you know that's gonna that's gonna be demotivating what you should do is like all right Next, you do it a week later. You get a ninety-one. You're like, oh, okay. Look at me. I'm getting faster. I'm progressing. Um, Cause guess what? Someone in your flight might be looking at you, and they're getting like a seventy-five, and they're thinking the same thing about you. So it's best to just focus on yourself, and not selfishly. Like obviously, you take care of your people, but this is more about personal growth. Cause you know a lot. I always sometimes I when I was you know in the program, I looked at you like, how do you just keep driving when you're already. Like, you're already up there, like, but you somehow kept yourself in check.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's just, uh, I I played sports when I was younger. And one of the sayings that that I was always told by my dad or just, uh, you know, just in general was there's always somebody better than you. Like, no matter how good you are, there's 7 billion people on this planet. There's always one person better than you. So in my mind, I'm always chasing that one person. I don't know who they are. I don't know what they look like, but... I'm always chasing that one person, and that kind of just helps me. Again, uh, again, the saying, "What's next?" Like this is cool, but what's next? And there's no finish line. So, Thank
0: yeah, exactly. And you have a lot going on in regards to the "What's next?" question and everything. Yeah, on. for sure. Um, well, we're pretty much approaching an hour. Um, probably for the the last discussion is if you could tell your 100 or 150 self Mm. one thing in regards to you or maybe like someone in the program or some advice, Uh, we talked about a lot today, but that would really help them set that foundation to succeed in this program. What kind of advice would you
1: give? Hmm, well, if I could just go back and tell my 150 self something um, I'll get to that question, but I was actually just thinking about this today as I was taking the elevator up, uh, P parking structure 12, I was thinking, dang, I missed this. Um, I wish I would have enjoyed it more. And, and the, um, the what's next question is great. It's, it's, it's great for obviously pushing your limits, but it's very bad at enjoying the moment. And I feel like I didn't enjoy the moment as much as I should have, um, and just the little things, just, just the daily grind of ROTC and waking up early and the lead lab and the AS class. Just enjoy it because it goes by so quick. It goes by so quick. And you might you might be a 100 thinking, oh, I got four years. I said the same thing. And now I am sitting in the conference room thinking, where did the time go? So enjoy it. But as far as like, advice on setting a foundation for this program be okay with failing i mean just it sounds cookie cutter just be okay with failing because if you don't fail you're never going to learn and if you don't fail you're not doing hard enough things and that might be uh, controversial but i if you're succeeding 100 percent of the time in your life you're not doing hard enough things, and you're not pushing your limits. So just the daily things of ROTC, the ORI, the FDEs, be okay if you mess something up. Don't let it get to you because you will mess something up. It is inevitable. Everybody messes something up, but you learn and you grow from it. So take your failures, which you will have, believe me. <laughs> It doesn't matter how big or small, you will have your failures and your time in ROTC. So take those and grow from them. Don't use them to weigh you down. Don't let them get to your head, whatever it is, but use them to grow. And I think that is the perfect foundation you could have because you can only, you can only build off that, so.
0: Greatly, greatly said. Um, thank you very much for the time today and best of luck to you as you're starting your career I mean are you excited
1: I'm pumped hey. I am pumped I'm just we work so hard for this I'm ready yeah. for it yeah I am ready for it so
0: definitely enjoy it um you know like you said enjoy the time you have in the program and then yeah I'm excited for you and thank you very much for coming on
1: I appreciate it appreciate thanks it. everyone. Man.